Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So, without any further ado, I'm Sam. And I'm Piper. And welcome to World Forge. Well, it's that time of the week again. It's World Forge time. You're back. Wow. Why Why do you keep coming back? Honestly, really, why? <laughs> like, please explain to us. Reach out to us and let us know what it is. We'll do just that thing and cut out all the other chaff from yeah. this terrible show that we do. Yeah. Well, hi. hi. Hi, Sam. Welcome back. Hi, Piper. Hey, something feel different to you this week? Yeah, my hand's heavy. <laughs> you're, 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 oh, my gosh. What is what is that piper on your finger there? I, I can hardly lift it to even look, but um, I'm being weighed down by this incredibly beautiful engagement ring. Oh my god! That some amazing person offered me, and that is Sam. He yeah, asked me to marry him. You guys, spoilers. We um, <laughs> we've been dating this whole time. You uh, knew that probably. <laughs> and, uh, we're engaged now, so uh, we have a lot going on right now with that so i know we say literally every week we say this is going to be a little different this is going to be a shorter episode this is going to be whatever but we actually are having our lives like flipped upside down right now exactly <laughs> it's very exciting news so boy um, everything changed yeah. yesterday in a beautiful wonderful way um i've been on cloud nine ever since and yeah. uh we are both super excited to start this new chapter of our lives we're very excited and obviously we're very excited to share this news with you wonderful listeners out there <laughs> and uh, you know i i know that this show at the the best of times is pretty self-indulgent already. Uh, this is going to be an episode that is just throwing all caution to the wind. This is this is for us. This is for <laughs> this, us. This is definitely for us. For sure. Yes, we're we're going to be talking about. Well, okay, let's let's rewind here. Mm. Um, we got engaged. Yes, we have like a million phone calls to make to friends and family. Yes, but we need to get that sweet sweet content out to you guys. And True. you know how much we love tying our show into current events and you know <laughs> silly memes and things. We were talking about maybe doing something with like all the weird GameStop stocks and things like that. <laughs> but uh, we thought it would be appropriate given our recent engagement here, mm -hmm. uh, that we talk about rings of power. And yeah. so what we're going to do is we're just going to create some quick little artifacts for you that are inspired by our engagement and some random prompts here to yeah. uh, hopefully use in your D&D games. Absolutely. So uh, I think this is going to be a, a really exciting thing to talk about because it's so real for us. And, yeah. and I think a lot of the best creations come from a really real place like that. You know, if you can draw on your actual experiences, you know, they say write what you know. Or well, exactly. Whatever. Some people say that. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of cool inspiration to draw from just from this ring itself because yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff in this ring. It's it's not just a piece of metal with a rock in it. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's for normies. Yeah. We, uh, so Sam and I actually, we came across this ring on our own. Like we yeah. each found this it, same design. Yeah, because yeah, Sam had already kind of been looking at it because he he knew what I liked. But he also asked, um, you know, he's like, oh, what kind of style are you interested in? And I'm like, I've never even thought about it. So I just started Googling some things. And I came across the exact same ring that he had been looking at. Yeah. And the reason it stood out to me is because it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. It has meteorite 
in Lane, in the ring, in the band. And there's also dinosaur bone. Yeah. So it's like, it comes from outer space. It's part of history. And yeah. now it's a symbol of our love forever. And <laughs> it's just so perfect and awesome. So <laughs> we'll definitely put some pictures on Twitter for y'all to see. I honestly, we could do an episode just about this specific ring. I yeah. Think we could really make cool. a whole like, story about so it. That That's a little too self-indulgent i think even for us like we you know we can come up with hypothetical rings that aren't just wrapped around your finger that anybody could put on their little fingies yeah uh, but uh yeah we're we're very excited about this so um please forgive us if this episode just devolves into us you know kind of gushing over <laughs> our exciting life choices here but we're going to try to bring that that sweet sweet content that you so crave that yeah. uh, that you were so used to every week and, absolutely uh, be back probably next week with a, a more stock standard version <laughs> of the podcast i think i mean we're still doing what the whole show is based on you know take finding inspiration in unique places uh and applying it to a creative setting that is very true yeah. i i suppose if there was ever a demonstration of how you can pull inspiration from just regular, not that this is a mundane event or anything, mm-hmm. but you know, regular events, anything in your life that is interesting to you, you, you can use that and spin that into new stories. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, you know, take this as kind of a diagnostic test that that, <laughs> that is a possibility. But, uh, I think, uh, if we wanted to talk about outside of our life inspirations here for rings of power there's really only one place to turn i know what it is yes the Piper. the one the one true ring the, the ring <laughs> yes, to rule them all the one ring to rule them all so what we thought would actually be kind of funny is uh, everybody <laughs> listening i'm sure knows that i am the number one tolkien stan of all time we stand tolkien he's the only person that we love more than satan on this podcast <laughs> is, uh, is our boy john ronald rule tolkien so uh I think it would be really fun if Piper, who is not quite as versed in in Tolkienology nope. as I am, yeah, gave <laughs> us a quick rundown of her explanation of what all the rings of power are. Maybe who wields them, what they what they are for, what oh their boy. powers are, how many are there. What can you tell us about the rings of power, Piper? Oh my gosh! Can you start me off at least with a little bit of help and tell me how many? No. Are there seven? Well, there's seven in one set, but there's. Three sets and then one ring that rules all of them. Okay, so, so okay, eight. I'll... Is there eight in total then? Or is no. the one ring part of the seven? <laughs> We're really off to a, a rip-roar and start here. I'm just trying to get my okay. numbers down so I can kind of build from there. So there's one set of rings for the elves. Mm-hmm. One set of rings for the for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Mm-hmm. One set of rings for mortal men doomed to die. Mm-hmm. And one for the dark lord on his dark throne. Okay, so the one for the dark lord, that's the one ring to yes. rule them all. That's easy. Yes. I know that the one that, the rings that went to man, there was quite a few, wasn't there? Because More than any other race. There were all those, uh, the kings who held them, they were the guys who turned into the wraiths, right? Yeah. The, uh, the spooky ghost kings who fly around on their dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Spooky ghost kings is about as accurate of a description as you could possibly have for them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess maybe four for those guys. Piper, there's nine of them. There's nine. Wait, that. nine for just the humans? Yeah, nine for just the humans. I didn't realize there were so many goddamn rings. I know, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, right? well, um, okay. Yeah. So there were nine go- spooky ghost kings who actually started as normal kings. Yes, they did. And then they wore these rings of power and it made them go crazy. And they lost themselves to the madness. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. And they assume, I assume they lost their rings. And that's why we're in the Lord of the Rings movies. We see them hunting down the one ring because it's like the only one left, right? False. No, they oh. have their rings. Oh, they the still, rings they're are just like, greedy. Yeah. They just want more rings. Well, they serve Morgoth or they serve uh, uh, Sauron mm-hmm. and they're basically tasked with, they're like his lieutenants essentially. And they are tasked with 
bringing back the one ring because they are his most loyal remaining and most powerful remaining servants, mm-hmm. essentially, because they have the rings that they were given, which are their power is derived from the one ring, mm-hmm. essentially. And so if Sauron can regain that ring, then they will continue to wield the power that they have, you know, and, and, go on to rule all of Middle Earth or whatever. So Sauron sends them out to go and retrieve this one ring because without it, he is only a shadow of his former self. Right. Which was cut from his finger during that big battle by someone whose name I do not know. Isildur. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Elrond was there too. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that the one ring, when you wear it, it turns you invisible. And it mm-hmm. also makes you go crazy. Mm-hmm. Do the the rings? <laughs> what a great power! It's a power. Right? It's like you put it on and then you go mad. It's like ooh, yeah. such fun. Um, no, so the the rings that the the ghost kings wear, the men, the humans. Yeah. Do those rings come with any special abilities, or it's, do they just make you crazy too? No, it, it's kind of vague. So the ring essentially, the rings give them like infinite. They can live forever essentially when they wear them. Okay. Uh, they magnify the power. The way the rings are kind of designed is that they magnify everything that is within the wearer already. So they magnify your greed or your, you know, your malice or your anger or anything like that. Okay. Just as much as they magnify, like you know, your, potentially your the good things. Your purity or your bravery. You. Exactly. Yeah. So we see in the, in the elves, for example, the rings that they wield, they use those to help preserve the, the beautiful parts of Middle Earth, the forests of Lothlorien and, and things like that. But even among the elves, these supremely powerful, mentally resilient beings, they start to give in to the corruption of the rings a little bit. We see this when Galadriel, uh, interacts with Frodo yeah, and, and, you know, part. says, I will become a queen dark and terrible to behold as, as powerful and dark as the morning or something like that. Um, you see even among them who are probably you would expect to be the most resilient mm-hmm. and most resistant to the, the allure of the ring, even they give into it, right? Um, so you, you kind of have this, uh, this, this magnification is kind of, I think the, the best way to talk about the power the rings grant to their wearers. Cool. Okay. It takes everything that you have inside of you and it just enhances it already. Okay. Nice. Um, can I ask a quick question that's kind of a tangent? Yeah, it's related ask. to this yeah. sort of. I, I can't promise I'll answer. Stepping away from our me guessing what all the rings do. <laughs> um, so the fact that Ian Galadriel, when she like comes in contact with the run, the one ring, and it makes her go kind of crazy yeah. for a split second, is it? What is the implication about what's so special about Frodo that he can carry it and not really be corrupted? Is it supposed to be that he's just like a blank little piece of paper? Is he like a Harry <laughs> Potter in that way where he's like, well, you're special because you're so insignificant. Like there's nothing to corrupt. Is that it? Or is he just no. supposed to be so pure that even he can withstand this even though someone like her cannot? Yeah, it, it's more about the purity. I think the idea is supposed to be that hobbits are simple folk that kind of keep out of the larger affairs of Middle-earth. They don't care about power or ruling the world or having wealth and riches, by and large. I mean, mm-hmm. there are exceptions among hobbits, even certainly. Um, the Saxville Bagginses, of course, uh, <laughs> and that awful Lobelia, who is always trying to take Bilbo's money in his, in his home at Bag End. Um, they, the, the idea is that they are enlightened isn't really the right word. It's like he's innocent. Yeah, it, it is. Has- it is this innocence and this purity that they don't necessarily have it in them to be greedy in the same way inherently as maybe men or dwarves or elves or these okay. powerful races have because the, the hobbits have never really had power. So they don't know what it is to sort of wield that except for, you know, of course, some exceptions. Among right. Them. 
Yeah. And which is because obviously that's not always true because it corrupted um Schmiegel. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we also see examples of this among men as well. Right. Um, one of my biggest gripes with the film series, which obviously is like an incredible series, but it does make some really big missteps in my opinion where we see Boromir and Faramir two of the the sons of Gondor the most power two of the most powerful men in Gondor brothers uh Boromir he gives in to the temptation of the ring because he says we should use this against the enemy we mm-hmm. should take their most powerful weapon and turn it against them and that's sort of the way that it corrupts him it it reaches out into him and it says you desire power and you know and control and even if it is for a good reason this is something the ring kind of takes and twists and corrupts and manipulates within him where Faramir is much more um he he understands that he could never take the ring and use it against anyone and mm-hmm. that's something that it it really annoys me that in the movies Faramir does even if just for a second kind of give in to the temptation of the ring right. whereas in the books the whole point of his character is he's this foil to kind of the greed of men he yeah. is this sort of pure noble you know kind of the the best of what men can be yeah uh, which is what i really really love about faramir and it really it really grinds my gears peter jackson did him dirty yeah he did do him real dirty in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i i think that's a really cool thing that it it just takes what's inside of you and it twists it so all right so we've got our nine rings of men yes piper Um, the dwarves are next they have the next largest portion of rings i would guess four no five no six no Three. Seven. Seven. Damn. Okay. Seven rings yes, yes. for the dwarves. Um, did uh, the line of Thorin uh, ever possess one of these rings? So. I'm, now I'm testing your lore. I, no, I know, right? It, it's kind of unclear. The, the dwarves are the race that we know the least about of any race in Lord of the them. Rings. Yeah, it, so it's sneaky. really, really cool. Um, <laughs> offhand, I'm not sure if one of thorin's ancestors specifically had a ring i actually don't recall if they actually say who it was that had them Hmm. um the what happened with the dwarven rings i think is really interesting because basically when morgoth made the or when when uh sauron made the rings he didn't really know anything about the dwarves they're Mm -hmm. this kind of secretive race that their their true identity and the knowledge of them even kind of eludes the gods a little bit. Not cool. the gods, but what yeah. Sauron is, who's yeah. a, a Maiar, essentially. Um, and so he made these rings, hoping they would corrupt the dwarves, but he made them with the same template, essentially, that he used for men and elves. Interesting. And he didn't really know how it would impact them. So when he gave the rings to the dwarves, he kind of thought it would be something he could use to control them. Mm-hmm. But what it turned out is that all it did was make them kind of more isolated and insular. And they, they, that's why, you know, they sort of say when you go to, to uh, Moria, the dwarves delved too deeply and too greedily. It's because they were driven by the greed that was magnified within them wow. by the power of the rings, which I think is so cool. And most of the dwarven rings were completely lost. I, I think at some point it's mentioned in the appendices or the, um, the, in the Silmarillion somewhere that, uh, either all or nearly all of the dwarven rings are just lost to time and will never be recovered. There's maybe, there's maybe like some that remain. Um, 
I think that's a really, really cool thing that the Dwarven Rings kind of stand separate yeah. from all the others. And that is so cool. Anybody who wants to can fact check me on this. <laughs> I might be getting this a little bit off. I admittedly am not as keen on my Dwarven lore as I am with some of the other races of Middle Earth, even though dwarves are like my favorite. I, I think they're so interesting. I was I, just going to say that too. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about this on air before, but from what I've heard and like learned secondhand from yeah. about like the dwarves of Lord of the Rings is they definitely definitely seem to me like the coolest race. Oh, they definitely are. Yeah. yeah. And Tolkien even himself was the most vague about the dwarves by far. It was clear that that was one of the things he was still kind of working on and, and reworking throughout his life that he never really fully settled on mm-hmm. uh, in his published works. Uh, there's a lot of kind of conflicting notes in some of his you know, surviving material that was unpublished that uh, I think is really, really interesting. The ideas that he had about the dwarves that he never really put on paper, so to speak. Yeah. Which I think is really fun. That's, so Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. Okay, neat. Yeah. Okay, so they had seven. Yes. Nice. Yes. Nine for mortal men doomed to die. Seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Now, Piper, mm-hmm. here's the easiest one. How many elven rings of power are there? Three. Uh, yes, three. Woo! Correct. And the who... Holy Trinity. <laughs> yes. Could you name the three elven rings? Uh, They're the only ones with names. No, I cannot name them. Um, uh, Dwalin, Balin, and Fallen. Oh, my God. The rings. <laughs> um, Not even all names. Names of dwarves, actually. We three rings. Do, 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 do. It's uh, the Nina, the Nenya, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. <laughs> no, it's the Naria, the Nenya, and Vilia. Nenya and business. Nenya. Hey, that's what I would say. If somebody has seen my ring. You know what I mean? Um, it's Nenya. Nenya business. <laughs> and then you punch him with the ring on your finger. Yes, exactly. Oh, that would actually that would hurt, man. Yeah. You'd catch a catch a backhand with one of those. I wouldn't like it. Magic ring or not? Yowie. Um, so the three elven rings, Piper, mm-hmm. what can you tell me about them? Um, not much. I imagine they went to three powerful elves. Who's um, the most powerful elf you know? Uh, Elrond. He's got one of them. Elrond Hubbard. <laughs> El- El- yeah, Elrond Hubbard. <laughs> um, he, uh, Hugo Weaving, uh, receding hairline, but <laughs> they, still they a handsome man. To the man Hugo Weaving. Yeah, they're he like, Hugo Weaving, one. take El- this ring. <laughs> and he's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, did they give one to Glad? Yes, Galadriel has one. Sweet. And then the third one probably went to a character that I don't know because yes. they're not in the movies. Círdan the Shipwright. Ooh, uh, is I, they are they a, a seafaring elf? They are, and they're also the only elf, I believe, that is ever mentioned in the Lord of the Rings canon to have a beard. Oh, wow. Yeah, and one of the- What a old, rebel. I know, right? One of the old- Well, most elves just don't grow beards. Uh, <laughs> and Círdan, I'm pretty sure, is described as having a beard. He's also one of the oldest elves in Middle-earth. I think he's- I think he's- one of the only elves that's older than Galadriel. Oh, that's cool. Uh, in Middle Earth, which he is, must yeah, just have really so much testosterone that it, <laughs> his elven like beauty couldn't withstand the whiskers, and yeah, they yeah. sprouted forth. I bet he like Truly. constantly has ripped off sleeves Tr- yes. and big like Popeye arms. I'm pretty sure I saw an Alan Lee drawing once where he's wearing a <laughs> denim vest, yes. a denim cutoff vest. <laughs> I'm sure bald eagles are constantly landing on his shoulder yeah. and like cawing. He carries around two big Bowie knives, I think, Sweet. that he uses to carve tree whole. whole out of giant redwood trees. Sounds right. <laughs> Sounds about right to me. And everyone's like, look at that giant dwarf. And he's yes. like, actually, yes. I'm the oldest elf there ever was. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, got this ring. <laughs> Círdan is actually really interesting because Círdan was, again, one of the oldest and, and wisest of the elves. He was the only one that still retained the power to and, and knowledge to build ships that could sail to the Undying Lands, to Valinor. Cool. And so that's at the end of the movie when you see they go to the Grey Havens and they take the ships into the west. They're going into 
they're sailing to heaven essentially. Yeah. And when Kirden leaves, the knowledge of how to do that is lost forever. He's the only one left that can still do that. Cool. Um, he actually gives his ring to Gandalf and Gandalf wields it throughout most of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Do we see it on his little old man hands? You see little flashes of it. Um, <laughs> I, I can't think of if in the movies you ever see it. I don't believe you do, hmm. but in the books, there are several points where they describe like just a little, a little flash of light i think that comes from his fingers and it's the same way they describe it when you see galadriel's ring they hide it using their kind of glamoring magic so it's not really one they kind you know they wear long sleeves to kind of cover they don't want to advertise that they're wielding these rings you're gonna walk around waving a big wad of money around exactly and that's something that i really like about tolkien's universe in general is that good characters that are very powerful use their power sparingly because they know that Wielding your power without discipline or control over it will lead you to corruption. You know, it'll lead you down a dark path. You, mm-hmm. all power corrupts absolutely, right? Yeah. As they say. So I think that's a really interesting thing that these really noble, admirable characters, they have power, but they choose not to use it because they understand the consequences of using this power. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is. It's one of the best traits of a character like Gandalf or like a Faramir or like, you know, Galadriel, even though she does kind of give in a little bit. I think it's neat. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all the rings, right? Well, there's the one ring. The one ring. Of course. Yes. That is, was meant to bind all of the ring bearers to Sauron's power. And over time, who knows, that would have potentially happened. Mm -hmm. But the ring was destroyed and Sauron's Sauron's butt was thrown into the fires of Mount Doom. So I'll always think of this stupid little animation I saw once. And it was somebody, I think it was Gandalf yelling at Frodo about how he has to throw the ring into the volcano. Yes. And in the little animation, he was just like, it turns me invisible. I love it. And he's like, I can't, I can't (laughs) part with this. It's great. It's very, it's a very (laughs) cool thing if you're kind of a creep, you know? It's so funny to me that like the one ring, I feel like it should have a cooler superpower than turning you invisible. Invisibility always feels sort of like the coward's magic. Not like it doesn't let you like blast fire from your hands or turn into a big thing it's just like you get to be sneaky and hide so again that sort of thing is it kind of enhances what's already in you and the longer it stays with you the more it kind of it kind of bonds with you i mean you know as it's sort of corrupting you it's growing into your soul a little bit right Mm -hmm. so it gives bilbo and frodo the ability to turn invisible maybe because that's kind of a projection of their you know they don't really desire to use their power offensively or to Mm -hmm. harm anyone. So that's the power that it kind of gives them. Yeah. There are several points where they do explain that the ring kind of works differently with different wearers. It enhances what's inside of you. If you are already a supremely powerful being, it might make you more resilient or, you know, smarter or more powerful. I mean, if, if Saruman had taken it, you know, what could he have potentially done with it? Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure he would have found a way to use it other than to just turn invisible. Yeah. Right. What if someone put it on a branch of Treebeard and then maybe oh he could like bring the Entwives back <laughs> with a snap of his twig? Now that's the fan fiction that I really want. Oh my right? God. Bring. Oh, I'm Treebeard. sorry. I don't, I don't mean to make you cry. Yeah. Right. The. Tree, little tears of tree sap are running down my face right now. Yeah. Sam looks like a wirewood tree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, no, Treebeard, if there was ever a worthy ruler of, of a ring of power, it would have been that, that little scamp of a twig, uh, Treebeard. Right. Uh, he just wants to find the Entwise. He just wants yeah. his, his brides back. Uh, he searched the willow reeds of Tassaranon and he never found them. <laughs> oh, oh, so sad. Man. So thanks, Sam. Uh, 
Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get worked up about that if we think about this too much. We should we should move on. Happy thoughts. Happy yeah, thoughts. So those are that's Piper. Actually, I think you did really well. Well, well thank you. Round of applause here. Hey, for ooh, Piper ooh, for, a nice little applause yeah. from the the crowd. I was kind of hoping this would go way worse than it did, but I'm <laughs> I'm impressed with how well you nailed this. So, well, I, I actually yeah. tried. I could have gone silly <laughs> and done a bunch of goofy stuff, but I tried for you. I did want it to, you know, when we did our Pokemon episode, I thought that was one of the more fun things we've done on the show when you got to describe <laughs> what you thought these random Pokemon were. So, so it's like a slice of cheese yeah. that has big anime eyes and a tuft of hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Uh, that's uh, that's Griermon, I think. The, the little fancy French cheese. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. The only other like ring of power thing that I can think of easily is uh, Captain Planet. All of his little buddies, oh, certainly, they wear rings and that are different elements. Yeah. And when all the powers of the rings are combined, then Captain Planet is summoned. Summoned. And he comes out to like yeah. fight uh, pollution and they stuff. They all become slaves to the will of Captain Planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only way I know about that is because they had a Captain Planet episode of uh, OKKO. OK yes. Otherwise, I wouldn't have that information. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, actually, Subway had Captain Planet rings. As a, Subway used to give out toys like McDonald's had Happy Meal toys or whatever. Yeah. And I remember being, I, I didn't even like Subway. Even as a kid, I didn't really like Subway, but I always <laughs> wanted to go. This is the power of marketing, right? Right. Uh, I always wanted to go to subway i would beg my mom to take me to subway all the time because i wanted to get all the all the goddamn rings all the captain america rings because like they were these cool little holographic rings where if you look at them from a different angle that you know they'd kind of turn into a different picture or whatever and there was one for each of the elements cool um uh earth air water fire and heart yeah heart <laughs> and uh the power of love i wanted them all they were really really cool yeah um, but i never got them if you had all of the elemental rings on one hand would you be like more powerful than thanos with the infinity gauntlet yeah but i think if you snap your fingers all that happens is you destroy all of the oil corporations you just destroy coke industries <laughs> you know what that's, that's what kind is. of like a fun like fan theory versus scenario is if yeah. you have someone wielding all the power if, if you if captain planet wore all the power rings and thanos went to go the, and do the snap and then captain planet snapped right back i think he would just reverse <laughs> would he out snap him yeah yeah he'd just reverse all the deaths because he'd just cause a whole bunch of life and love what would happen if a member of the sharks and or the jets were always walking around <laughs> always snapping. coming snapping yeah, oh they if, would like kill the entire yeah, universe exactly they'd be just snaps after snaps on snaps snaps yeah. on snaps um boy this is there's a there's a lot of good rings of power out there i think and i i do think it'd be interesting to explore what it would be like for different wielders to have different rings maybe that'll be a fun episode we can do sometime where we can say you know let's take some artifact from marvel or fantasy or you know sci-fi or something like that and just give it to someone in a different universe what would that be like that would be kind of a fun thing to do but yeah but not today. But not today at all. Not today. No. Today we're going to be creating our own rings now. And I think this is a good jumping off point for us. So, uh, Piper, do you want to give me a ring? Here? I will. Ooh. I gave you a sweet little ring. It's time for you to return the favor. I, I would think. love to give you a ring, Sam. <laughs> um, so I've got a randomly uh, generated word here for you. Okay. What do we got? And I want to know what you do with the word cactus. Ooh, a ring-a-ding-ding on my cactus ring. Mm. Um, I actually – okay – what I picture immediately is a ring that when you put it on, it has some type of like a damage reflecting property. Hmm. So when I'm wearing this ring of the cactus, anytime someone strikes me, little quills like strike at them. They pop out of my skin or they appear out of nowhere. So Ooh. there's there's like a defensive element to it. I think that's kind of a cool thing to do. Or maybe it makes it so that I can 
store a bunch of water, water in that's my what I, roots. That's, yeah, that's for what long I was thinking of. of. Yeah. You know what? I think that'd be a fun kind of interpretive view of that to say you're about to go on a journey where you have to cross a desert that's impossibly yeah. large. Yeah. If you wear this cactus ring, you won't need to stop for water. I like that. Wouldn't that be cool? I think there's a lot of ways we can use this. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe this ring, like the ring of power, manifests itself in different ways with different wearers. What if you put it on a cactus frond? Wow. I think the cactus would blossom into a giant field of prickly cactuses. Yeah, to take over the world, probably. Yeah, yeah. and you just be like, ouch, 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 ouch. I like ouch. that. I, I, yeah, this is cool. You know, maybe we should do kind of a lightning round here. Yeah, we should do Because these are few. quick, easy ones. Yeah, yeah we'll just each pretty... do like two or three. Awesome. All right. Um, I got the word breakfast. Ooh, breakfast, breakfast or ring. second breakfast? Yeah. Uh, just first breakfast okay. ring. Um, I would imagine that a breakfast ring, you'd put it on and you can probably then just make breakfast items appear, right? But <laughs> yeah, well, that's the snap. Every time you snap your fingers, a piece of French toast appears on your plate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I think it was made by- Or Orcish toast or yeah. whatever. That, that's a little shout out to our friends at uh, Dragon Wings. Orcs <laughs> in their world are French, which I think is adorable. It's very cute. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I think this, uh, breakfast ring was forged by, uh, a magician or a wizard or whoever who just, they were really hungry when they were working that day. Yeah, okay. And they, it's like how they say, don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry because you're going to buy more than you need. Yeah, for sure. Don't, don't forge your- rings when you're hungry. <laughs> I think he was f- practicing his ring forging and he was just like, he broke concentration for a bit. He's like, man, I would kill for a plate of waffles. Yeah, seriously. And then the ring popped out of the fire and he popped it on his finger and then instantly he could summon up waffles and uh, pancakes and uh, eggs and you can have them sunny side up. But if you're really good, you can maybe get them like all kinds of different ways. You turn all those enemies to bacon with just the point of a finger. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe if you practice long enough. You know, what if you have this ring and you're wielding a cast iron skillet as wow. a weapon? You know, anything you strike with a skillet instantly becomes cooked over easy to perfection. This makes me think of um, a show that I'd be surprised to know how many of our listeners are, are familiar with um fighting futons <laughs> no fighting foodons foodons yeah a futon yes. is yeah it wasn't a futon it was a foodon <laughs> and it literally it was like it was people trying to bank off of like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, oh, yeah. except you would have to like cook all these ingredients there's literally a line they yeah. took that famous like kind of stuck in my head Thank exactly you. and literally there was a lyric that went pick the right ingredients to make your food obedient a pinch <laughs> of salt of something something and your food could be really bad and like these monsters would come up you had to like create like bake and create your yeah this was a, this was like a wb kids type show i think it was a show was you a, had to uh, watch yeah. if you were poor and didn't have cable like me <laughs> and so you're like man i wish i could watch something good like pokemon but i guess i have to watch fighting food on yeah, right, right. <laughs> you can watch samurai pizza cats that was a good uh, kids wb show i think yeah they were yeah, decent yeah. stuff like, i i got um shaolin showdown and <laughs> yeah. good things like that but anyway well that's a good one you know a, a ring that produces uh breakfast foods uh, with with little to no effort, with merely the snap of a finger, honestly, would be a good way around something that isn't always really fun to deal with in D and D. You know, I, I I really like having food and kind of provisions and supplies like that in my games. Insofar as if my players go out of their way to do something unusual with it, I will give them, you know, drawbacks or, or, uh, benefits from it, right? If they say, well, we have, you know, a bunch of hard tack and water, we can just subsist on this and it'll be fine. But if I go into the woods and I find some quail's eggs or something, we can try cooking those up. And <laughs> quail's eggs. Yeah. Maybe if they cook them wrong, they end up getting disadvantage <gasps> on all of their constitution checks because they're sick for the next day. Or if they cook them up real good, maybe they get, you know, advantage on insight roles because they're so. They get a- 
a yeah. Gaston bonus. Exactly. Because they, they're they, just so full of eggs. They grow to the size of a barge, obviously. <laughs> uh, only if you eat five dozen of them, though. And also, every last inch of them is now covered in hair. Exactly. Ooh, yeah. that, that would be the thing. Maybe yeah. a ring that covers you in hair when you put it on. It, just, it should be a Gaston ring. Yeah, the Gaston like ring. Like somebody trapped the essence of Gaston <laughs> into a ring, and when you wear it, you oh, become as strong and pompous as he is. And that, that weird misogynist cuck is like whispering <laughs> in your ear. His soul Ooh, is tied to the ring. Yeah, I like that idea of like That's someone cool trapping too. someone in a ring, and if you wear it, then they can like possess you or come back. These are free for you listeners. Yeah, can, yeah. now we're just like shooting. <laughs> that that is right. a cool one. Like the idea of a haunted ring. That, I mean, yeah. sort of in the same way as the Ring of Power from Lord of the Rings, kind of has a mind of its own. It has a personality, its own desires, and and it has a will that it can sort of exert upon you, especially if you are weaker-minded. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's do another quick ring here, Piper. Let's each of us do one more. I agree. Um, and cool. uh, then we can just tie this one up. So I have – so this word here, this is yours, but I have thoughts about it. So yeah. I want to share those too. The word is ambiguous. Ooh, interesting. I – So – Go ahead. Okay. You go first, and then I'll share my idea, unless yeah, yeah. you want me to share. Well, no, I, I just – what I'm thinking of here is I like the idea of a ring that might not quite be a ring, right? So not necessarily a ring that you wear on your finger, a ring in the sense that like Halo, the Halo installation is a ring that – encompass it, it encircles an entire planet or it could yeah. encircle an entire planet right yeah. it's not necessarily a ring that you would think of in a traditional sense a hula hoop could be a ring cool. right or a you know the rings around saturn or something are a ring it makes me think of that scene in tangled when rapunzel first finds the crown and she doesn't know what it is and so she at first she tries like putting it on her arm like a bracelet <laughs> yeah, but it's too yeah. big and a uh, little chameleon oh, is like sweet and innocent yeah yeah and then eventually she figures out it's for the head i think what's interesting about this is if it is something that is uh, of like superhuman size maybe the explanation is that you know the rings around a planet were a ring that was forged for a god and they lost it Ooh, and it settled around a planet that's cool as heck yeah right that so, works for your whole sci-fi god oh, world that you're totally, kind of building that we've been piecing together here yeah that'll go with the uh i've been taking a lot of notes about that actually i was thinking about like a black hole called charybdis uh, like the uh, the whirlpool monster from the Odyssey, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking about our, our Jormungand. Well, Jormungandr also is a ring; it encircles yeah. the the planet, a yeah. giant dragon that bites its own tail, or it's the size of a planet, or something like that, or not a planet, a realm. Yeah, uh, uh, Midgard. Uh, but yeah, I I like this idea that maybe two two gods were betrothed, and one was like a great smith, and they forged a ring for their beloved, and then they lost it, and because this ring was lost. It, it caused some kind of a rift and the gods, their, their love fell apart. And now there's this cosmic sort of, uh, uh, like battle that's going on essentially to refine this ring so they can be united again and yeah. heal this rift in sort of the cosmic web of reality. Totally. Yeah. I like that one a lot. I think that would be fun to use in a sci-fi setting. And I don't know how you could really, you know, hang on to that as a player, but I think that would be a fun thing for kind of an epic level adventure totally. to, to look into. And even if it's not something that you, you know, maybe it's just a resource that you can have. It can be mined for, you know, celestial God energy or something like that. It's infused with the power of the God that made it. Who yeah. knows how you do that? Fighting for control of it as like territory or something. Totally. Yeah. I have a few ideas that came to mind when I saw this word. One of them, I like the idea that 
a ring, like let's say this ring, it's incredibly powerful, similar to the One Ring, right? Yes. But I think this ring comes with kind of a cloaking device, so it can disguise itself to look like something that isn't a ring. Oh, cool. So it is an ambiguous object, as in like, if you saw it, you'd probably see like a beat up old shoe or maybe you'd see just something no one would pick up right exactly it it disguises itself as random uninteresting objects dead cat yeah exactly touch that no way (laughs) a pile of vomit on the side of the road (laughs) but like i so that's one thought that i had i thought that was kind of cool that it has like the ring i like the idea of objects that are kind of sentient and they have their own sort of goals and missions or things like that yeah and so this ring is probably trying to hide itself it's like no one should wear me i'm too powerful the ring is shy yeah Yeah. and so it's always kind of changing to look like an unassuming object but also what i like about it too is the idea of this ring being used as kind of a a weapon in an interesting way that maybe if you can put this ring on someone's finger then they become an uh ambiguous person like maybe they're like kind of forget who they are and it's a way to kind of erase someone's memory or make them sort of unuseful so maybe you have an enemy right and they're plotting against you and you can somehow convince them to be like oh like let's make a peace treaty i offer you this this valuable ring and they're foolish enough to put it on their finger then suddenly they completely forget what they were going to do to you or who they are or why they're here and they're like what's happening and they're like oh you're a farmer go and work in your field and they're like oh okay and they kind of wander off really cool i like this a lot the idea of a ring that you you use on someone else right right that piper spoilers that's what I did to you. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's really neat. Um, Universe brain. I think the idea of a ring that is used offensively, but not like wielded, not worn to give you power is it's it like hurts really you. interesting. It yeah, just, exactly. It confuses you. This makes me think of the story of the Fetters of Fenrir, how Fenrir was one of the children of Loki. He was a giant wolf that in Ragnarok, he was said to kill Odin. Uh, he was like foretold to kill Odin. And the god Tyr basically said, you know what, I, I know how I can stop this. Fenrir's always running around biting on everything. We have to put this – we have to bind his mouth so he can't bite anything again. And so he goes to Fenrir and he says, Fenrir, I'm going to put this on your mouth, but just temporarily. I just need you to stop biting things for just a little bit. And Fenrir said, okay, I'll let you do this, but I don't trust you. You have to put your hand in my mouth while you do it. I've seen statues of this. Yes. It's really cool. And so Tyr says, all right, cool, like deal, I'll do it. He puts his hand in his mouth and then he places this, he, you know, he ties his mouth shut. And then when he refuses to let Fenrir go, Fenrir bites off Tyr's hand and he becomes this one handed god for the rest of time. But that's the sacrifice that he makes to sort of save Odin from being killed during Ragnarok is, is Very the expectation. Cool. It's a really cool story. I and mean, this is like classic Norse mythology. It's always these, you know, epic heroes who make these grand sacrifices that, you know, they maim them, but in really cool ways. <laughs> yeah. I I went on a day trip to a really cute little town here in Minnesota, like a, ooh, a year or so ago with a good friend of ours. And we were just going through all these little boutiques and everything. And small Minnesota towns are very yeah. uh, Scandinavian. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, and this one little shop that we were in, it was just filled with pewter statues and figurines, like this kind of like things that people collect. And I remember taking pictures of some of these statues and sending them to you. And yeah. one of them was the god who had his hand in the ma- in the wolf's mouth. Yes. Yeah. And I you were like, that. I know all about this. And I was like, I knew you would. <laughs> yeah. Tear is, tear is a real badass. I like, And Fenrir is really cool, too. Just a giant wolf. In, like the size of a house. Because you mentioned Ragnarok. Is that supposed to kind of be like the wolf that she uh hangs out with the, the evil lady there yeah yeah that's what they say in in thor ragnarok hell 
walks around with Fenrir. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure in Norse mythology. If, I, I think Hel and Fenrir are associated in the Norse mythology, but I get it mixed up because there's so many kind of pop culture adaptations of it that take bits and pieces of it and twist them and turn them in different ways. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're connected. Hel might also be a child of Loki. I'm not really positive. Not um, sure. I know we had another child that was like a snake. He had all kinds of weird monsters as children. So uh, fun stuff. He had horses for kids. He did have horses for kids, I believe. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's uh, that's what that makes me think of. Piper, we've got one more prompt here to hand out, though. You get another ring yeah. to wear, to put on your little thingies. Um, so let's see. I got the word... Snakes. Snakes. Ooh, Snakes. Oh my God. This is a, this is a good one. <laughs> Snake a good rings. good one. Yeah. Um, now, if you put on the snake's ring, do you, <laughs> do you become a man who's just snakes? I was just going to say, like, maybe you pop on the snake's ring thinking that you'll be able to summon snakes or control snakes, and it simply makes you pop into a pile of snakes, which maybe is actually a bunch of little wormies because they're just snakes waiting to happen. <laughs> we said this episode is going to be self-indulgent. This was just a whole string of inside jokes of ours that <laughs> <laughs> you are not privy to, unfortunately. Listeners, but uh, Yes, that, that's actually – I think that's really cool, the ability to – you get kind of a wild shape, right? But you turn into a swarm of snakes. Much little snakes. Yeah. I actually just had a fun vision in my head of a little snake that's like slithering along and it's wearing a ring around its neck like a collar almost. Oh, cool. And like maybe you have to go find the snake ring, but it's worn by maybe similar to how the way that the one ring corrupts people. Maybe the longer you wear the snake ring, the more it turns you into a snake. Oh, so you can't go back if you take it off. Yeah. And yeah. so eventually the last person who owned the ring is just become the serpent and so you find them and you're like oh my great snake i must take the the band from around your yeah. throat uh because i need it but it's the size of like a normal ring so it's a tiny little snake it's a cute little snake and he's like <laughs> he's like i am the most powerful snake yeah. lord ever yeah. you will never take this from me and you're like oh but what if i offered you this quail egg <laughs> snakes love quail eggs and it'll be like hmm this trade is acceptable but they can't swallow the quail egg because the ring will stop it from sliding down their throat right chew it a thing snakes hate to do I actually think this is a really interesting idea. Another angle that could kind of be fun if we want to just talk about an actual like practically mechanically helpful thing in D&D is if this is a ring that when you put it on, it gives you a wild shape that turns you into a swarm of snakes, but only one of them is like you can control all the snakes. They're all sort of you, but you can only take damage as one of the snakes. Right. right? So it'd be kind of a cool way to hide where your enemy suddenly turns into a hundred snakes. You can be you know, slicing up all these snakes, the sword, <laughs> but until you hit the one that's wearing the ring around its neck, right. they can still just turn back into their regular self like nothing happened. That would be a fun combat thing because it requires not just your fighting ability, but also people to be making perception checks yeah. to try and find the snake with the ring around its exactly. neck. I like that a lot. I think that would be an interesting challenge combining kind of non-combat types of actions with, yeah. you know, normal swinging your sword around and smashing snakes. The solution? Like we all love. Send out a wave of fire. Just burn well, all yeah. snakes. <laughs> that would help you. A, a simple, like, second level spell could probably solve this for anybody. But I, I still think that would be an interesting enemy to pop up against that, you know, it, it's like a whole bunch of things, but it's not it doesn't mean that it has to be like a challenge rating of like 15 or something because it's a million snakes. It's more of like a defensive maneuver than anything else. Yeah. You're not going to be bit a thousand times in one turn by a thousand snakes. Mm -hmm. The snakes are just meant to be kind of snake camouflage. Another route you could go is if you wear the snake, then you kind of have, um, you get the abilities of like a parcel tongue. So you oh, can speak to snakes. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe. Snakes and, and you know, snakes like 
adjacent language to like dragon language and things like that. It's, yeah. it's kind of like broken dragon a little bit. I like that. Yeah. That'd be kind of interesting. Maybe you have to go and negotiate with a snake. And the only way to do that is to speak its language. And so you have to wear the little snake ring. Oh, this is excellent. Yeah. Or bring it frozen mice. Yeah. You or know, quail's eggs. Yeah, quail's eggs. Quail's <laughs> eggs. <as we> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love this a lot. Uh, I, I think this is good. I think these are four interesting rings here. Yeah. And, uh, four rings of World Forge. Yes, exactly. Uh, we've, we've, would love to sit around and do this longer, but we have some other things that we have to take care of today, unfortunately. So I think this is a good place to call it quits here. Absolutely. Uh, with the rings. So let's real quickly pop on over to the next section of the show here, which actually let's do the, uh, Let's do the thank tank here first, I think. That is a good call. Yeah, we got a really lovely email from a listener here, Piper. What do we got? All right, we got an awesome email from Skylar Brown, uh, who just started listening to the show and sent us a lovely letter. She said, Hi, Sam and Piper. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I only recently discovered you guys, but I've already listened to a bunch of episodes and I'm thrilled to have a new show to listen to on my drives. Awesome, Skylar. Thank you so much for reaching out and telling us that you like what you hear. (laughs) Um, It makes us really happy. Uh, She also, in a part to us saying thank you to her telling us that she's a fan, she also sent us uh, a pretty cool suggestion, which we are going to use as for our we're going to uh, try to use it i i, yeah. I think we need to find a way to have this fit the format of the show we've kind of talked about this before and i i think this suggestion will maybe help us to make that a reality a little bit mm-hmm. yeah um, for our we're using it for a rec, uh, rec room yes, this week yes yes so uh, our rec room this week is a lovely podcast that was shared with us by skylar it's lingthusiasm so that's uh lauren and gretchen are two creators who have a show all about languages and and how they're used in sort of role play and how they're you know, how you construct languages and they've actually they developed a language for a young adult series of novels they're very well versed on this topic it's it tends to be easy for us to recommend creators that i think are more knowledgeable uh, mm-hmm. than us about things yeah. because we have no idea what we're doing so uh, it's always really cool to to have uh, other shows shared with us by people who actually do research and are actually qualified to talk about the things <laughs> they're talking about so uh, i think that's such a cool topic linguistics is kind of a hobby sort of passion of mine i just find that to be really interesting well and it's so fitting show. for us just recently talking here about uh the master linguist himself yes exactly tolkien, tolkien yeah, so, it, so it all ties in i think in a really appropriate way here so that's our our rec- recommendation and our thank tank this week is thank you to skylar thank of you course. skylar yes. we're glad you like the show uh and go and check out lingthusiasm if you're trying to construct a language for your world you know go and see if they have any insight that might be useful for you i'm sure you'll find something that's really fun it's also just it's a really great high quality show and yeah they, they seem like lovely people so please give them your support as long as you are out there trying to support creators you obviously have a couple of really exciting ways you can continue to support us yeah what are they piper well if you aren't following us already we would love to uh, have your support on twitter yes. so you can follow uh like comment subscribe all that jazz yeah, whatever <laughs> well on twitter you can find us we are world at world forge pod uh and then you can also send us uh letters and comments and feedback and suggestions for topics and ideas with our email we are worldforgepod at gmail.com yes absolutely. we would love to hear from you yeah um, and even if it is just to say hey we think your show is great here's something else you might like just like skylar did that's yeah. always really really fun to hear absolutely because we don't know everything and we should always be <laughs> broadening our horizons absolutely so please 
Educate us. Yes, please do. So consider reaching out to us and supporting in either of those ways. And consider sharing the podcast with a friend and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That really is the best way that you can actually help spread our podcast to new listeners. It does a lot to help get us, you know, higher up in the recommendations. And there's some kind of an algorithm that we don't understand how it works, but it puts our podcast in front of new people. So that is always appreciated if you leave a nice little comment Mm -hmm. and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It just, it makes our day. So uh, that's always, always, always appreciated. Yeah. So uh, I think that's all that we have this week, you guys. That's it. This has been a really fun one. It was nice that we got to just, again, kind of, be a little bit self-indulgent and talk about something that I'm really passionate about and talk about ourselves a little bit. <laughs> We're glad that we have this platform to spin our experiences into something that can be kind of fun for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're going to go so we can keep telling people that we just got engaged <laughs> and uh, take a couple of little pics and we'll share those on Twitter as yes, well. That's right. We are not done talking about ourselves. Oh, we're no. just done shouting at you about oh, ourselves. No. So. And it's funny because um, <laughs> people keep asking, oh, have you picked a date? And we're like, it's going to be a long engagement, which means it's going to be a long time of us being like, oh, our wedding is going to be fabulous. <laughs> just you wait and see. So get ready for a lot of talk about yeah, that. we're going to be terrible people to know for a little while here. So yeah. uh, we thank you for putting up with that and for putting up with our show and for supporting our show. And we will be back here next week with another very exciting topic. Uh, we're not really sure just what we're going to do yet, but we can't wait to continue on this exciting journey with you now <laughs> as, will, a, as a married couple. Say, you know, or engaged, engaged couple. couple. <laughs> Whoa. Don't put the cart yeah. before the oh horse. My God. Oh, my God. Here. All right, all right, all right. I'll calm down. I'll calm down. Thank you, listeners. Uh, we We love you all. And uh, we'll see you again soon. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.